You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sort of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? What's up, man? So we're, we're going to toss the mic back and forth. We got this sweet conference table that I'm very jealous of because it's a stunning wood. Uh, it's, it's a local kid that uh, made it, actually. He's a UB engineering student. and Oh, yeah, me too. He dropped out <laughs> and then figured out, he's like, I like making tables. Mm-hmm. That's how we found them. This is huge. Yeah, it's like Ron Swanson's table. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, uh, we're with our friends over at Duval College with Buffalo Learn. So do you guys want to introduce yourself and then we'll go from there? Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm Jeremiah. And I am Leah. Very nice. Yeah. So so let's start at the very beginning because people are going to hear Duville and then think of the college and then they're going to hear Buffalo Learn and be pretty much lost at that point. So can we tie those two together and then start at how this whole thing came about mm-hmm. and what your, your mission is essentially and your focus? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to start like how yeah. the idea came from? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, um, you know, the, the, the idea for Buffalo Learn, and, and just to kind of spell out what Buffalo Learn is, well, you know, we had this idea around the water cooler uh, one day, and that's really how it started, is to highlight some extraordinary uh, experts in our community. And Duval is located on the west side of Buffalo, and we are so proud of that and so proud of... Um, our history here, as well as being a being here for over a hundred years, as well as you know the the fantastic community that has helped us over the years, and who we have had uh, the privilege of being able to serve and support over the years. But in this community, right around us, we have so many incredible experts, and we love the fact that um, we're an educational institution. We thought, why wouldn't we kind of marry? Um, those two things together in a very unique way. Um, so around the water cooler one day, we were sort of chatting about, you know, how can we do, um, you know, continuing education, but really in a very informal way, in a way where we can um, get people to be engaged with, um, you know, experts in the community in a very different way through an educational way. And it also allows the experts to share their knowledge and um, their unique perspectives um, in a way that's very approachable, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes there's this barrier between 
uh, higher education institutions in the real world. And it's like, how can we break down that barrier a little bit and push the boundaries of, of who we are? So we decided to craft master classes. And uh, that's kind of where the idea started, was really kicking around these ideas of what these master classes could be and who these experts um, uh, could be in the community and what sort of topics uh, the community would be interested in. And that's when um, Jeremiah and I have known each other for years, and you know we started chatting about where this could go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I got like a text like, "You got to show up to the office <laughs> like, right now." Me and Phil got this awesome idea, so yeah, we just started kicking around the idea of a, a master class, but really Buffalo focused. So then we immediately thought like, "Okay, you know, who are those kind of people in Buffalo that are unique storytellers?" Oh, and um, so the the first one we thought of, who's right down the road, is CBW and Ethan Cox. So um, we do a lot with CBW because they're down the road, and um, you know we reached out to him, sat down, and like we were we were sitting down, and we didn't quite know what the first course was going to be, um, and and we he was saying he could take it in a bunch of different directions. You could talk about like the science of brewing or the operations, the logistics. And then he just started uh, talking a little bit about the history of Buffalo Brewing, because he's written the book, like literally the book on um, Buffalo Brewing history. And then like, I was just engaged. Like, like I was leaning in more and I'm like, like tell me more, tell me more. And uh, then I was, we were kind of like, that's it. Like, that's what we want the course to be about because it just, it brought together like so many different pieces of um, the history of Buffalo, but tied it in with this brewing, like, you know, the socioeconomic reasons for things that happened and everything like that. And it was just a great story. And that's kind of what we look for on top of, you know, being, you know, educational is um, a great story. So yeah, that, that was really the first one that kicked it off. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between um, a master's degree and a master's class? And then secondly, for those listening that are outside of Buffalo, what does CBW stand oh. for? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Uh, CBW is Community Beer Works. Uh, So they're a local brewery, uh, started on the west side, and um, they have their new location uh, right on Jersey and 7th, I think it is, right in the the city of Buffalo. Um, So, yeah, um, a master's degree, you know, um, you have to go to college, you have to get your bachelor's degree first, you have to get, then you go in for a master's degree, and it's very academic, and and really, um, it, it, it takes a long time, and I like to call these courses more like edutainment courses where you're you're being educated but in a more entertaining mm-hmm. friendly way there's no papers you know you don't have to read you know hundreds of pages uh no midterm no final it's just the love of learning that you're going to get and you're going to learn about you know whatever topic it is that we're um showcasing on our courses mm-hmm. so you guys don't do this full time right so what are your jobs outside of that that are i'm assuming are tied to the college correct no. Uh, so yeah, I'm the dean of online learning at the college. So my primary day job is growing the number of online programs that we have. So we're currently at 13 to 15. I kind of lose track. Um, so we're really invested strategically in growing that because that's just the way um, people want to learn these days. So that kind of ties in with the you know um, the Buffalo Learns Masterclass series and Leah. Yeah. So I, I wear a few different hats. So. Uh, originally I was hired to lead and I still do uh, wear this hat uh, the Institute for Teaching Innovation which is our faculty development space on campus Uh, I also oversee strategic planning for the institution as well as uh, accreditation so you're asking before what's the difference between like 
a master's degree um, and a, a, something like a master's degree or bachelor's degree are, are very heavily overseen uh, by accrediting bodies and also having to go through the state um, in order to get uh, programs like that approved. But doing something like Buffalo Learn allows us to kind of dip our toe into the informal learning space and uh, we're not having to go through accrediting bodies or go through the state. Um, so it's not a what we would call really a matriculated um, program or diploma you would get in the end. And uh, another thing I have had the absolute pleasure and privilege to work on is a lot of community engagement work. So one of the um, sort of big uh, compilations I've put together over the last year is something called the Thrive Plan. And so we look at how can Duville kind of give back to the community but also adopt uh, its doorstep community. And we have so many different uh, focus areas on the west side here. We have green spaces where kind of one of the stops along the way for one of the Olmsted's um, complete park system. Um, so we are on that route where um, one of the only colleges to be on a route like this. And besides green spaces, we look at education. We have 12 um, schools, uh, K-12 schools around us, Buffalo Public Schools and charter schools we're able to interact with as well as uh, things like supporting our local businesses and local experts who are in the area. So many entrepreneurs and so many um, you know, manufacturers all up and down Niagara Street. There's such a, an immense diversity in terms of the businesses that are around us and the talent we have right here in this area. And we just look at how we can better support that and create a more uh, connected fabric between all of these different entities. Sure. So the formation of Buffalo Learn, how, what was the thought process on like what direction you wanted to go? Like you clearly wanted to do educational and entertainment, mm -hmm. but at the start, what was entertainment to you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think, you know, the, the, we always look at things like Ted talks mm -hmm. or, where people kind of have a story to tell and then how they put that story together. Uh, we, uh, you know, it wasn't just Jeremiah, Jeremiah and I obviously putting this together. We had a really incredible cinematographer we worked with as well who was on staff here. And it's all about not just the person telling the story, but how you kind of, you know, as you know, with, in podcasting, how you put that story together in an organized way, they're going to make people feel something and understand the information in a very um, sort of linear way. So, you know, when, when we go and we interview these uh, experts out there, um, they have so much information to share, but sometimes it's that, that post-production that really puts the icing on that cake, you know, it really puts that... Um, you know, it, it makes it more palatable. It makes it more um, digestible for the public. And I think it's that great marrying of like what an educational institution could do. Mm -hmm. We know what makes a really good course. We know what makes a really good um, program or curriculum. So when we have experts, they're not always trained in how to deliver that in a way, you know, and this is not a knock at Ethan actually used to teach uh, here. So yeah. that's part of his background <laughs> is his teaching. It's not a knock against any expert in the community, but sometimes it takes a different um, uh, kind of a fresh pair of eyes or ears as, as it is to put that information together in a way where it's going to be um, a little bit more understandable for the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also tried to just look at um, topics that are 
kind of of interest to people and things that Buffalo's you know known for. Um, so again, starting with the brewing <laughs> history of Buffalo, right? That's you know one of the things we're known for. Um, but you know. As we look at future courses, we're trying to look at things like, you know, architecture, the great uh, ethnic diversity in Buffalo sports, obviously, you know, we love our sports, we love our Bills and our Sabres and things like that. So, again, trying to tell those stories in different ways and then also aligning it with the curriculum that we do have here. So you can think of like uh, the ethnic diversity in Buffalo. Well, we could, we're thinking of doing a food course, but we also have a dietetics program, right? So how can we bring in things like the West Side Bazaar maybe and our uh, dietetics students in to kind of tell that story of culture, where you come from, but through like food and different things like that. So mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to take a creative spin at it. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what have you covered so far? Uh, for those that are curious or want to get involved, essentially, in yep. a master's class. Yep. So we have the Brewing History Buffalo. Uh, we have Beekeeping 101. Um, and that one's kind of selfishly like mine. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I live out in the, I live out in a rural uh, Niagara County. Uh, so in Appleton, which if anyone knows where that is, it's like 10 minutes from Lake, uh, Lake Ontario. So... Um, Probably like five or six years ago, I got into beekeeping, and I just think it's it's super cool. And you know, everybody hears about the plight of the honeybee, and if we don't have bees, then we don't have food and everything like that. So, um, we reached out to Masterson's Garden Center, which is in East Aurora. They're like the beekeeping gurus of Western New York, um, and they do these kind of classes for people that are interested. But they, you know, it, it kind of goes in in waves, and they can only do so much. So we approached them and like, hey, you know, you could do this online and part of this series, and then you could reach you know more people. Um, so so they talk about that kind of stuff, like the plate of the honeybee and what you can do. So even if you're not like interested in really getting bees because you you know live in Chictawaga or whatever, but you want to know a little bit more about it, you can take um, that course. And then uh, the third course that we launched was called Anatomy of a Play, and that's through the Kavanoki Theater. Uh, Lorraine O'Donnell, who's our executive director over there, um, she took the uh, the cast and crew of one of the plays, and uh, what they did was to, uh, lifted the curtain, so to speak, behind the scenes on what it actually takes to put on a play. And you know, after watching the course, like I didn't know it's actually like a two year process, mm-hmm. and they walk you through that, you know, from the director's point of view, from Lorraine's point of view, from the actor's point of view. So it's it's just again a kind of a really unique way to um, tell a story. We also have um, three more um, courses from the Cavanoki uh, because of COVID. That you know they haven't been able to do um, live performances, so they've actually used this uh, as a vehicle to continue to um, you know uh, support live theater in Western New York. And I think that's one of the the most interesting things is not only do we get to hear it, we get to share it with the community, but in some cases it's sharing this knowledge with a whole new population, a whole new group, and it's. I wouldn't say like a marketing tool, but it gives that, you know, these experts a chance to share what they do and kind of the behind the scenes or also the knowledge in somebody's head. You know, whether you see, you know, a beekeeper out there, you see somebody performing on stage or you see um, somebody pouring drinks at the brewery, there's a story to share behind the scenes. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the greatest things we're able to do is provide a vehicle for that to new audiences. That's fascinating. So for the bee thing, 
<laughs> He's wondering right. about the dichotomy of the dean of online learning, so yeah. technically advanced. Absolutely, being a I, I need yeah. that. You need balance in your life, right? But anyway, right, sorry. no, you're fine. So, uh, first of all, it would be hilarious to see a beekeeper in Chictawaga because everybody has like a sixteenth of an acre. Um, and then, secondly, so what is taught? in that master's class is it essentially like this is how you don't get stung and this is why smoke's important like i'm sure that's obviously covered right but outside of we need bees einstein said so speaking of which he's next to us so what um like what what's involved in that yeah sure so it it we call it beekeeping 101 on purpose because it's basically like the kind of question someone that is a beekeeper gets asked like every single time like oh my god you do beekeeping well like what's that involved so it, it starts off um you know actually with the plight of the honeybee like is, is this a real thing and like yes you know like we really do need food so you get a little or we need the bees for the food so you get a little bit of that um then you know we talk about like the equipment that you need what kind of um area you need so again you <laughs> don't want to do it in Chicago with a sixteenth of an <laughs> acre so uh they go through the different kind of equipment that you need you know the the suit uh, you know what the honeybees um live in the hives the different kind of tools that you use um what a, a a cycle like an annual cycle of beekeeping is so you know the the winter the fall the summer they're all different and what are you going to do during those different times of year um and then lastly it it ends with the best part which is extracting the honey or as i call it sealing the honey right like everyone's like oh yeah you you made all this honey i'm like no i just stole it from all these bees right so and you know how you extract the honey and then what you can do with it um and then there's also just like a ton of fun facts like you get to learn what the waggle dance is and i'm not going to tell you what that is if you you know if you, want, you have to you know <laughs> get the course but right. like just the bees are they're like they're just so fascinating and so it's a lot of that kind of stuff that you'll learn um and then it basically it takes you to a point where okay you at least know the basics and if you wanted to then you could go to masterson's or anywhere you want and and you know pick up a a, a nuke of your own and then start and the other thing is like they're here to help you too. So that, that's part of that marketing and that partnership is that, you know, they're like just the most accommodating people. So you're interested, you want to take that first step. Um, they do have um, sessions where you can come to Easter or, you know, get a hood and, and look at them and stuff like that and feel it out. I feel like I somehow would still get stung. Oh, even yeah, if you're going to get somebody, stung. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You're going to get stung. Doesn't that make you want to try it? <laughs> so the, the beekeeping part is pretty like a... It, it seems very specific behind what you can do with beekeeping. Not many people are doing it for anything other than like a hobby or making their own honey or whatever that may be. When you're talking about the history of brewing, that's a very, very large topic. Mm-hmm. And that can go anywhere from the history of brewing in the area to how do you make your own brewery and produce your own beer. So how do you guide that course to go down which route or does it cover it all in an abbreviated time and we've had you know a lot of people a lot of staff members involved in this process a lot of it is scripting uh the the time is spent not necessarily on just the filming Mm -hmm. that takes three three to four days but is the scripting out and kind of meeting with the expert beforehand in order to really guide that conversation um you know, and and they could go any which way. What I love about all of these courses is they, you know, they at the heart of everything is why it matters. Mm-hmm. Why does beekeeping matter? 
or why does brewing matter? And what is the historical significance? Because the West Side has played such a pivotal role in history. And, and you know, not that Masterson's is connected, mm-hmm. but like, you know, with um, Community Beer Works, um, you know, that our history, our local Buffalo history plays a role. Um, and, you know, for in the process, they are able to get that all out. But kind of how you weave it together mm-hmm. is all done at the beginning when you really script out um, what is actually being filmed. And then, you know, from a cinematographer point of view, being able to convey, uh, in addition to them just talking at the camera, all the images or imagery that needs to go along with it, um, as well as even the, um, you know, the music that gets mm-hmm. paired with it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what makes people feel um, the emotions that they feel and they walk away from the course. You know, it's just like making a movie. It is essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how many episodes are in each one or does that vary too? Uh, it does vary a little bit. Mm-hmm. The anatomy of the play is probably our, our longest one. I think there's uh, 12 to 14 chapters in, in that just because of the, the depth that they cover. Um, you know, the, the brewing one is about 10. So we try to keep it uh, bite-sized. Like each chapter is about eight to 10 minutes. I mean, it's kind of like television, right? Like you're programmed to watch seven minutes of TV and then get three minutes of commercials. So we try to keep it tight enough that like you could watch an episode here or there and then you know come back to it. Um, but you could also binge watch it too. Mm-hmm. Are you guys trying to sell this to Netflix or something, or like what's what's the plan? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's just, it's just going to be our, our our little thing. But um, you know, we we do sell and rent the courses, so we try to keep it manageable. I mean, if you rent a course, it's nine ninety nine. Uh, if you wanted to buy it and you can have it for uh, life, I think it's um, twenty five bucks. So you know, again, mm-hmm. you know things that people can afford if you know it's less than a six pack of beer if you're you know using the beer analogy so yeah and i think there's also uh the different perspectives that are shared are shared in different ways so with brewing you hear really just ethan's personal perspective of the storyline how everything happened um, and that was something that was part of the decision making process like we kind of went through oh my gosh we could go so many different ways and and you know, Ethan's so connected. We could have so many different brewers, but he really has a story to tell just himself. And that I think was important. Uh, Masterson's actually is a, a family. Yep. And, you know, that's a unique perspective too, is how do you have these generations of beekeepers who are interested in doing that? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> they don't have a choice growing up. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, Jeremiah has not shared yet, but he has two sons, and these two kids are already like yeah. in the honey, yeah, honey yeah. business. Yeah, my six-year-old's uh, <laughs> got the full, most full suit. It's like the, the you got to get them started young. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but that's a family perspective, and with something like the the Cavanoke anatomy of a play. It's all, they're actually, uh, I want to say there were five mm-hmm. people yeah. who are involved-ish, uh, but it's all different perspectives of people who are involved um, in different areas of putting on a play, kind of telling their point of view. And so that's what we love about each one of these courses has come out kind of different. We mm-hmm. just sort of like dived in. And like yeah. I said earlier, it started out as a water cooler conversation and what kind of has happened is it's really turned into something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the involvement from uh, the student body? Like, what's the enrollment like and, and all that regarding the different courses? Um, so uh, from the student 
point of view. We do have some of our students helping with like Buffalo Learns in, in terms of like the um, you know the, the the social media and that aspect of okay. it. We have a, a business program, so some of those students do internships and, and things like that. Um, it's not directly tied at any way. I mean, the students could you know take uh, the courses or not. Um, the funny thing um, again before COVID, uh, I had a, about twenty students that were interested in starting a beekeeping club on campus because uh, we have our new building, the healthcare hub uh, opening right on Connecticut over there. And there's a space, you know, an outdoor space. Um, so we talked about, you know, can we have some, a couple of beehives there? And uh, I, I just literally went on word, put like a picture of a bee on there and said, do you want to sign up and, and showed up to like the, the lunchroom one day, the cafeteria and had like 20 students sign up and we were going to, um, you know, started and they were going to like, that was, their required training was to at least take the beekeeping 101 video and then we're going to you know bring some hives on campus we're still going to do that obviously so um i think that's going to be really exciting because we have you know a lot of biology students and just students that are interested uh mm-hmm. in beekeeping so it's not directly tied to the curriculum but you know we can bring it in through like a student activity mm-hmm. which which brings me to my next question so do in itself is known for like the healthcare field in regards to majors and programs and things but um so what is also offered at do because there's a lot outside of it's tied to the west side um but a lot of people just think it's oh that's where like nurses and doctors go and get their white jacket that's pretty mm-hmm. much it so like what else is involved because Duval does a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. sure. but most people don't have the opportunity to really discuss it in depth. So Duval is is known for its many um, you know healthcare programs. So we have four schools uh, on campus. So usually colleges are divided up into units. We have four schools, and um, we have the school of pharmacy. And so we have a few different uh, programs and certificates and certifications within pharmacy. Uh, that is one of our, our bigger schools. Nursing is our biggest school, as you can imagine. Same thing. We have a few, um, quite a few programs, certificates, and certifications within nursing. Uh, we also have the School of Health Professions, and that's made up of kind of the most uh, complex, diverse set of uh, healthcare programs, chiro- chiropractic um physical therapy, occupational therapy, PA. And, um, you know, I think there there are some really stellar healthcare programs, but we also have many other programs in our School of Art, Sciences, and Education, uh, which also houses business. And we have all different formats, too, within business or biology or um, educational leadership. And within all of these formats, you can have like weekends, uh, you know, sort of classes or five-week classes. Um, Jeremiah kind of heads up the online learning portion, but we have several online online uh, programs as well. So it's not just healthcare. However, we love to, you know, I, I love to see, particularly from a strategic planning perspective, when programs are really uh, collaborating across the scenes. Like you would have no idea that a chemist um, could go into so many different fields, everything from cosmetics to um, manufacturing. Um, and that's what we want to explore and share is like, how can maybe healthcare start to um, blend to create new majors? And that's what we see now happening is uh, the, you know, the School of Art Sciences uh, is kind of reaching across and um, coming up with uh, brand new ways to approach uh, really challenges through creating new programs that are going to help to develop solutions. Which is interesting, too, because we're now starting to see a shift from individuals coming out of high school going right to college, but instead they're going straight to a trade school or straight to work because that's where the jobs are, yep. right? So being able to tie colleges into the trade demand 
in that same collaboration sense would be insane, especially because in the manufacturing field, there's so many jobs. Like you can easily be a CNC machinist, make a good living wage. And then all of a sudden you can, while you're doing that, take some online courses and things Mm -hmm. and then update your resume and then over time become a chemist and then just branch into a whole different field in the same company that you've been working in for years and make an insane amount of money. So it's really cool that that's an aspect that's blossoming between um, both fields. And that's, and that's a really important perspective I think to consider is if you are a prospective student or a parent who's working with a student, um, you know, to kind of know or really research uh, the job potential of a certain career path or trajectory. Um, and also, the we also love to work with students to explore the salary potential. It's really important in this area in particular, in the West Side, and working with our Buffalo Public Schools um, and our local K-12 schools is kind of helping students to explore that perspective. Because a lot of these students are first generation, not just college students, but first generation Americans. They're supporting their families. And what they do today will have a lasting impact and leave a legacy on their family family for generations. Mm-hmm. And that's something we hold like really close to our hearts as we work with our students is it's not just this one student. What you're looking at is an entire family dynamic. You are changing the potential of that family if this student graduates. And that's what we love to see happen, you know, as these students come in, they explore. But, you know, much to that point, you may have a student who's interested, um, you know, they need a job right away. Uh, They need to support their family. They are, you know, the only English speaker at home and they need to bring home a salary. Um, But it's important to kind of lay out those stepping stones. So, you know, some of the projects Jeremiah Mm -hmm. and I are involved in is really helping to create more on-ramps and off-ramps, as we call them, um, so that students can duck in and uh, duck out and then duck back in when they need to. And there is no academic penalty. So they're not just leaving with a bunch of credits that really haven't amounted to a certificate or certification. They come out with something so that that's more easily able to be transitioned or transferred back in, right? And when they come back in, it's not just a bunch of credits that don't match up to something. It is a step to a degree. And then that's from there what we can share. So, or what we can show is now you have this certificate. What is your potential from here? What are your possibilities from here? So you may just have one tiny certificate, but just like you were saying, you can go into now a chemistry bachelor's. And from there, it just spreads out to so many other options. And, you know, if you're kind of looking at it in terms of steps and then we're looking at it in terms of you don't stop. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just keep going and maybe you get your master's eventually or you get your doctorate eventually, but you never stop learning. And so that's part of like what Buff Learn is, is how can we reimagine the boundaries of what colleges are so that we keep people engaged. And then if we can get employers on board. Then you're looking at, well, it doesn't just stop at when students graduate. Um, they could keep coming back, and then we've tied in with employers to say, yes, they got the certificate, and now their next job potential is X or promotion potential is X. Um, and so we're trying to see more ways we can marry not just going down with K-12, but also up with industry as well and how we could try to, you know, I guess – um, you know, mesh mesh the hard lines that are in between those things. 
I'm a huge nerd personally, and the potential that you guys have for analyzing analytics of students being enrolled into here and then directing Buffalo Learn to cover those type of analytics, whether it's these numbers are super high for people that are interested in this, so let's promote that, or even the reverse. There's not a lot of interest in this, so let's use our platform to get some interest into this. Is that something that you're thinking of? And also industry, you Mm -hmm. know, is that there are very clear gaps in terms of also what you're just talking about, of what higher education formal degrees can cover, right? So if you can cover some of those gaps, since this is what I was, you know, kind of alluding to, if you can cover some of those gaps through informal learning experiences and you've gotten employers on board to credit them in a, in a way or uh, accept them as a means to promotion instead of just, you know, you need to have a master's or, or something, um, then we're helping to kind of fill in the gaps in between where there are cracks, you know, and people are falling through the cracks. They're not getting a promotion because they don't have something. And you can fill that with both formal experiences, formal learning experiences like degrees, but also informal learning experiences that we then start to attach credentials to. Um, and Jeremiah and I have, we've done a yeah. lot with like micro credentials <laughs> yeah, yeah. and things like that. And that's where you see that movement from is people are trying to fill in the cracks where they exist. Yeah. One of the best analogies that I've heard, um, Michelle Weiss, she's an educational thinker and strategist. Um, she talks about, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, there was these T-shaped individuals and you think of like skill sets, right? Like you have this broad skill set, maybe you get a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree and you, you learn a, a little bit of a lot of things, but then you're good at one thing, right? Again, you're, uh, you know, a, a straight up chemist, right? Well, the world doesn't need those T-shaped individuals anymore. They need M-shaped individuals where you have a lot of, you know, you go deep in a lot of different areas. And that's why things like Buffalo Learn and the uh, credentials and the professional development that the college is trying to do with these on-ramps and off-ramps is because you might just need that little, you know, bump because, you know, the workforce is evolving so quickly that you just need this skill to kind of get that next job. Yeah. And trades are a really good example of that, right? So even though we're, we may be looking at something like solar city, um, you need people who are specialized in assembling, you know, a, a solar panel, but you also need leaders in there. And so how do you, you need leaders who really know the field. How do you then, you know, encourage those individuals who are, you know, working, uh, in the factory to come out and, you know, get some of those leadership skills. And sometimes it's not always through formal education. It might be through these informal learning experiences. I feel like the shortfall now that's being identified with that movement is if there's no micro credentials or credentials at all to fill that gap, it's basically just have more work experience. And that's the blanket term that's used for individuals that either they went to school and now they're too qualified because they've been in school since ever, right? So K, so say, you know, you start school in pre-K and then you're out of school with a master's, but you've never worked. Mm-hmm. So now the employer's like, well, you have a master's degree, cool, but because of our current outline, you're literally overqualified for a position, so we can't hire you because now you might take my job. Opposed to you have a bachelor, like Derek and I both have bachelor's degrees in a degree we never use. <laughs> and to the point is the old saying was, which I think him and I both fell into, not to speak for you, but to speak for you, <laughs> is you're essentially having um, you know, formal education will give you, will like earn you a living and then self-education will earn you a fortune. And that blanket uh, mindset 
was essentially what turned a lot of people away from college and said, well, screw it. I'll just go to work because then I can just work even harder and I'll just work and work and work. And then you're in the, the nine to five grind and you're like, where's my promotion? I've been at work every single day. Like, how come I'm not doing anything? It's like, well, you don't have a degree similar to a really good example is law enforcement, right? So if you're in law enforcement and you're a patrolman, you're a patrolman working overnights when you first start. And then over time, you might be the school resource officer. And then you're working seven to three, then you can switch to days. And then you're you're cruising for 20 years. But to become a lieutenant, you may need either just the extra civil service exam or certain departments across the country are like, well, you need this degree to become a lieutenant. To be a captain, you have to have a bachelor's or a master's degree for the department. So then they kind of bridge the gap between employer and, and education. Um, but you're not really seeing that with trades. Right. And you're not really seeing that with the other positions where, you know, you make it apprenticeships where you go to work for like the union and then the union pays you to go to school and you're literally, you know, you'll wire a hospital for six hours and then you'll go to school for six hours and that's your 12 hour day. Mm -hmm. But having the on-ramp off-ramp movement is probably going to be the way of the future because it literally ends the, you either work or you're either in school and then you're getting the cross-trained individual who can lead because you're also developing people skills and you need people skills to lead. So you can't just be book smart. You have to have the street smarts plus the book smarts and the personality to handle all the stresses with that. Yeah. And I think you identified, you know, there's really two, two problems is, you know, coming out with the degree, like you said, and not having that work experience, which we see quite a bit. And that's why I think colleges have to work harder and smarter to integrate more college work experience. So it, we call it a work college model. Not a lot of colleges do it that well, but every student should come out with work experience in some way. It should be an internship. It should be, you know, whether it's a graduate assistantship. So that's inside of an institution, but also how do we get them experience, but also credit, right? We credit the experience they're getting outside of the institution for academic credit. And, um, you know, we're working really hard to do that so that that isn't the case when students graduate, that they actually have work experience when they come out. But also, it makes for us much better graduates. Um, I'll use an example. For example, we have a, a simulation center on campus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, our simulation center is such a unique experience. Um, all of our healthcare students have to go through it. Um, it's PTOT, PA, nursing, and Cairo. They're trying to get dietetics involved. Um, but we hire actors who play patients, and we simulate what would be a real hospital, clinic, or home environment. And everything has cameras, everything is mic'd, and these actors will come in and they play doctors, they play patients, they play um, other roles. So a student nurse um, would go in and, and treat a patient as the wife is crying and as the doctor's coming in. And it's very different when you're applying what you learned in the classroom in a, a semi-stressful situation with a lot of personalities and things kind of to contend with. But it's also interesting when we start to see this collision um, of you know, different majors. So a PT student might not know what an OT student does, um, but you know, what our students get is, you know, a lot of experience. I'll kind of let you talk for it because I feel like- No, no, yeah. And we want them to be, you know, learning is about making mistakes, right? And that's what we try to provide. I think there's even like a 10 commandments on the wall and, you know, that this is like a safe space that you can make those kind of mistakes. And 
that you, you talked about leadership, like a lot of leadership is building empathy, right? So if you're going to be in healthcare and you want to you know, move up and be a leader, well, you have to know what the nurse is going through. You have to know what the PT, the OT, you know, because nobody works in silos anymore. So I think that's the great thing about these interprofessional simulations that our faculty put together is that they craft these really unique scenarios that so the student can go through it and they make the mistake the first time and then they watch and they debrief and they talk about it and then they go back in and they you know, they can correct it right then and there. And I was going to say in the students, you know, that that's what we see are the first, um, you know, few years of students who go through the sophomores or even the first semester of juniors. And the students have to go through, um, you know, every semester. So they get a lot of experience by the time they graduate. But the students at the end who have gone out and they're already working in the clinic, and their seniors are like second semester juniors, or they're in the hospitals, so they're completing their hours, have a confidence level that's through the roof. And for those younger students to learn from them about how to approach situations um, is totally different. That's what you want to see. Mm-hmm. You want to see a college experience where the students have work experience that's paired with it so that they could bring that with them because not all the learning happens in the classroom. It happens in these experiences. It happens out there in the workplace. And it happens when students also learn from each other. Um, so that was, you know, like the first problem you identified. The second one is a, another deep dive off of the, the cliff. <laughs> I mean, we're essentially solving the world's issues yeah. right. this episode. But I think yeah. we're doing really pretty good, good at that. Yeah. Right. But no, I mean, it's true. I, even from a student standpoint or an intern standpoint of where do I park? Like, I've never been to Mercy Hospital. Last time I was in Mercy Hospital, I was born. You know, like, I don't know what the hell is going on. So to have that experience is huge, too, because then you have other students that come back after clinicals and they're like, guys, it's so easy. Like, you just park here. You get your ticket. Leave it on your leave it on your windshield. I got a ticket. Don't do that. And then from the employer standpoint, too, it's not just that one intern trying to waddle in and figure it out. Like, they, they know the deal, too. So the employer has less stress of if we do pick you up, you know our system. You know how we operate. Like, the daily operating procedures or the standard operating procedures are very simple now because you've had months of time with us. And it just makes it a seamless transition from... I'm going to move my thing. You know, I graduated to, oh, oh, I got to show up at like 6 a.m. now. So, And now that second point that you talked about, you know, I think for students to get out there and they're an entry level, they have a little bit of work experience and, um, you know, they go to apply for a job and they get in an entry level. You know, I think that's one challenge. But the second challenge you mentioned about... It's really where we see the job shifting, um, the career shifting is what we usually call it, when you're jumping from one career to the next, or you are, and you're switching careers completely, or you're going from one employer to the next, and it's the difference in expectations. So as you're mentioning, you know, kind of working along in, in the police force, you know you know the expectations, right? You're working along and you know that they're going to credit you for the time that you've put in, the experiences you've had. But when you go to move into a different career, those expectations change. And so that's where the cracks start to form is I don't have this degree that they're looking for or this particular experience that they're looking for. And you know, maybe people become overqualified. It's like, what am I going to go back and get another master's degree, or what am I going to go and you know work another seven years to get that experience in that particular thing that they're looking for? 
Um, there needs to kind of be this, uh, I don't know, like softening on, on both sides, both on the academic side and also on the industry side to really credit both sides of the coin, but also how can we educate, you know, I think students, but also, um, you know, employees on how to better present themselves. And that's a, that's a whole other conversation is how can you <laughs> present the work that you've done, even though it doesn't look the way on paper mm-hmm. that people are expecting it to. Well, there's a lot too where when it comes to people wanting to get out of their current career and go do something else. And they're like, I have no idea what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked to a lot of breweries and most of them didn't come right out of college with a brewing degree and said, you know what, this is exactly what I want to do. It's more of a, hey, let's try it. Let's see where it goes from here. Right, right. We've talked to homebrew clubs, same thing. Like they have a established job, but they brew on the side and like, how can I make that next step to make this an established business? Which mm-hmm. which brings us back ultimately to Buffalo and trying to bridge that gap for people to be able to explore their options without committing to a four-year degree with a ton of money yep. backed behind it to come out at the other end to not really want to do it. I mean, Mike talked about this earlier. We've invested so much money in our degrees and we don't even use it. But we saw full-time jobs. If there was some Buffalo Learn course on podcasting, mm-hmm. I'm sure we would have taken it just to understand the commitment level, figure out how to use all these platforms that we have no idea still how to use. Mm-hmm. And it's just bridging that gap to be able to take these hobbies and these aspirations into something that can be something in the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, uh, we'd love to hear from mm-hmm. folks, your your listeners, on you know what they would like to hear. Because I mean, that's that's part of it, right? Is how we're going to grow and evolve as feedback from mm-hmm. you know other sorts of people. So um, yeah, we certainly look forward to people reaching out to us and letting us know what they'd like to see next. I mean, you know, we certainly we want to tell great stories, we want to entertain people, but we also want to educate them. Mm-hmm. So you know, where where there's a need, the nice thing is we can spin these things up a lot faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we also have to touch on the beer that we're drinking because it is a little bit specific to the college. So yes. do you want to talk about it a little bit and what we have in front of us? Okay. So um, can I ask you a little trivia question? I know you Absolutely. Guys are, you, you like your beer, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this comes from a local brewery, and I don't know if you guys can guess which one it is just, just by the taste test. It's not Community Beer Works. I'll give you a little hint. <laughs> I got my guess. Okay. Okay. Resurgence. All right. Yep. Is that was that what you were thinking? Was that your guess? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the it's their IPA and then it's their Bridge Pilsner. So interesting. um, So the the backstory behind this is so Juville is named for Saint Marguerite Juville. Uh, Canada's first saint, just so everybody knows that. Um, and she was a remarkable woman. Uh, her her quote that she's known by is, never refuse to serve. And what she she did, she was a widow, um, you know, came from a, not the great greatest relationship, uh, you know, w- with her husband. Uh, he, left, he died early, left her with uh, children. And uh, she, you know, devoted her life to, to God, but she wanted to do more. So, but she needed money to, you know, help the poor, help um, those misfortunate. So, like, I would call her scrappy. Like, she rolled tobacco. She brewed beer. She did whatever she had to do to get the money to, to then build, you know, churches, hospitals, things like that. So, um, that's this. So, uh, we did a, a private label with Resurgence, but that's kind of a homage to that. So, the IPA is called the... 
the Grey Widow, and then the the Pilsner's just, um, you know, the Juvel Pilsner. But uh, I mean, just an absolutely like remarkable woman. If anyone wants to go on YouTube and check out the Juvel channel, uh, we have a great three minute video uh, that talks a little bit more about like her story and what she did. But um, I mean, that message of never refusing to serve mm -hmm. that like infuses everything we do. I mean, Leah talked about the Thrive Zone mm -hmm. and you know being anchored on the West Side. Um, you know, our, our focus on health professions and, you know, again, just, um, serving our community mm -hmm. is, is what we, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. So speaking about people going to YouTube and figuring out about Duville, how can people find your content? Where, where is it available? Is it on YouTube? Is it on Duville website? Yep. Yeah. So if you go to, uh, .com, that'll take you right, uh, to all, all of our courses, but we're also on Instagram and, and Facebook. Uh, the college obviously has, you know, all their, um, you know, social media and uh, dyc.edu. So, uh, yeah, we encourage folks to check us out. Um, I have a code for your listeners. So if they're interested in any of our courses, uh, if they just use um, Buffalo Happy Hour as the, the code, they get $10 off, uh, you know, any of the courses. So, Sweet. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Look at yeah. Going back to school. <laughs> We're going to be a purist by like next week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you ever want to come out to rural Appleton, New York, like I'll, I'll hook you up. You Absolutely. could test out your skills yeah. in the yeah. environment. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Take the course, come out, you know, uh, well, so cool. I, I might take you up on that. Cause I got, um, Family has a place out in Wilson. Oh, so, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we'd, we'd love to have you. I'm, I'm gonna get an extra bee suit just because, like, so many people I talk to are, are into it. Uh, you know, winter time now, but you know, in a couple months uh, in the springtime. And they hibernate now. in case you were wondering. Yeah, they yeah. they're exhausted after making all that honey. Right, they yeah. survive. All yeah, so long. if you want to know, like, the next thing that I have to probably do this weekend is, um, so we, we take the the honey off that we're gonna extract, and then uh, we put on. Uh, it's called a candy board. It's basically like sugar and a little bit of vinegar uh, on top of the, the hive. And um, you put some newspaper down and you put the, the sugar on it. Uh, and then the bees as a collective will move, like they'll eat the honey that they have and then they slowly move up and they have to keep like in this tight little ball because they have to keep the warmth and the heat. So they're going to go up and then they'll eat that sugar throughout the winter. And then we also put um, a little like insulation. It's kind of like a I don't know, kind of, it's not foam, but yeah, like an insulation to help keep it, keep them warm for uh, the winter. And then like you kind of, you set them up in December and you go see them when it's 50 degrees and you, you hope they're alive. Like it's kind of weird. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But I, I mean, didn't know any of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it's, it's cool stuff. So, Hey, next time you're in Wilson, you know, come on down. Mm -hmm. There it is. So what courses are next for you guys? What is the that next course that you want to put out there? So the one that I really want to put out, I don't know. Leave, yeah, this will be us. a contest. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. The one that I really want to put out is around Buffalo sports fans. I think we talked about this before we were on the air. There's something in the zeitgeist or whatever you want to say, like of a population of people across the world that lose four Super Bowls, no goal, no playoffs for like – you know what it was 18 years or whatever it is and they keep on coming back like that's a story that that should be told right so um we've talked to a couple people that are in the local sports um arena and, and like you know uh we think we might have something we're also thinking of maybe talking to some of our, like our psychology professors because again there, there's something about that right like uh so uh, that's like a buffalo sports fan thing it is uh something that I, i'd be interested in um, 
and, and there's another angle to that. Like everyone knows about Bill's Mafia, right? But all they see is like the bar stool stuff mm-hmm. and like the drunken ADC. But like, and it's finally starting to get a little traction of like all the good that happens. So I think that's another story to tell. Like, you know, yeah, we like our beer, but like we do good things too, yeah. right? We also donate a ton of money. So yeah, yeah, like a, yeah. a ton yeah. of money, right? <laughs> um, and and the thing that I think Buffalo Learns is trying to like tap into how I explain it to people is like you're at the airport in Atlanta wherever Orlando and you see somebody with a bill shirt or you could be anywhere and you I was in like I was in Rome on my honeymoon I had my bill shirt on outside the Coliseum and someone's like oh yeah and you're like what, what is that right like like that that I want to tell that story so that's that's the one I want yeah well I mine is definitely buffalo food uh, selfishly, because I feel like if I'm involved, I'll get to try it all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we kind of had this idea early on uh, because the West Side is such a, a little melting pot of so many different cuisines and so many different ethnicities um, to do, you know, a, a really big feature. And also it's home to two James Beard nominees, which is a really big, you know, culinary award. That's incredible. Like, uh, you know, that we have two right here on the West Side is just like unheard of. So that's what we wanted to do. We really wanted to do kind of this range of, um, you know, uh, looking at different sort of cultural or or, uh, cuisine experiences from a cultural lens. And, you know, it's everything from, you know, how do we grow our food? So the West Side is home to three farms. A lot of people don't know that there's urban farms just right down the street. And those farms feed into um, cuisine and and the culinary side of things and restaurants. And then it also um, feeds into really the, the cultural aspect. So that's, I mean, what I'm most excited about is kind of looking at um, that and also trying the food. <laughs> yeah, really. That's awesome. So anything else you guys want to add? I mean, we covered a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. everything from Buffalo to Duville in general. Is there anything else that you guys want to point out before we close it out? I don't, I don't think so. I think I'm good. I think, you know, one thing we're really excited about over the next um, few years is opening up our th- uh, three and a half story healthcare hub. Mm-hmm. So this healthcare hub, really everything that we talked about today is going to be a part of this new facility. And on the, it's going to be like, as I mentioned, three and a half stories. Hopefully Jeremiah's beehives will be <laughs> on the top floor uh, in the garden. <laughs> but it's, it's a new structure already, you know, taking shape on Connecticut. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that it will add to the really interesting landscape in between the river and, uh, you know, Connecticut all the way down to Richmond. But in this space, you're going to have a dietetics test kitchen on the first floor, a uh, clinic, as well as a pharmacy on the second floor. There'll be PTOT um, rehab spaces, as well as a a full simulation center. So right now we have a um, kind of starter simulation center. It's it's fully functioning. It's been amazing. Um, But we're going to make it 10 times the size of what it is inside of the healthcare hub. And so this will open up the opportunity for a lot of what we've been talking about today, which is how do you start to bridge the gap between academics and professional and, um, you know, the workforce development side of things. So this will also provide a space, not just for, um, you know, the needed services on the West side that are very hard to find from mental health to, um, you know, kind of those hard sciences health, but also um, it'll provide a space for workforce development to take shape 
and for what I think all colleges want to see, which are professionals kind of coming back and interacting with students and kind of keeping the curriculum up to date in that very unique way of, you know, I'm coming back for an education, but also let me educate you Mm -hmm. in that whole, um, you know, sort of dialogue and sharing that happens in between. So, and then on the very top floor, there's going to be a event space that will be a community event space as well. So it'll allow us to interact um, with the community in brand new ways. And we're really excited about it. Cool. Well, thank you guys very much for coming. We really appreciate having you on. Go check out Buffalo Learn on all their social media and also use code Buffalo Happy Hour to get some uh, discount on your, your learning experience. So thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next interview. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.